Welcome. How you doing? Good? Good. You guys seem a little extra excited because there's food here. I've already, I've already been asked twice, could we just skip to the food? So I'm really not sure how to take that, to be honest. You know, that could, could go a couple different ways, you know. Played your last song. I could just pray and we could go eat. Now, because I've been talking about it, you're going to think about it the whole time I'm talking. So shame on you. No. So it's good to be with you guys today. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We, we talked about the possibility of doing something uh, a little different, kind of changing it up. We know a lot of people go out of town, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving and that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, we talked about the possibility. Uh, we've got some seats over here. We've got a few up here. Uh, we've got lots of floor space, too. So, you know, but uh, now our ushers can grab some chairs uh, if we need to uh, and bring those in. That may, that may need to be uh, the case. There's three or four over here. Um, but, uh, no, uh, we talked about the possibility of doing something like this, just kind of changing it up and uh, giving people, uh, you know, just a, a reason almost to, uh, you know, just uh, try to get together and, and, you know, what it looks like for us to be together as a family, as a church family, and uh, enjoy this time together and, uh, you know, be thankful. You know, we, uh, people talk about friendsgivings and all that kind of stuff, and, uh, you know, we love that kind of thing, and, uh, uh, you know, we wanted to, want to do something similar, and we're like, well, what's the Titan schedule look like, you know? And so we were like, do we have an away game? By the way, we miss you when you're gone. You know, I, I got to admit, as a pastor, I kind of like away games. Number one, pastors don't get to go to games. Okay? So, you know, you assume we don't want to go? No, we can't. Okay? We can't. You know, you're like out there like, you know, don't, yeah, cover, cover your face. That's okay, you know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But, yeah, while you're enjoying the tailgates and all that stuff, we're preaching. We're, we're working, you know, so. Not bitter about it, but no, uh, you know, we just, we said, uh, we said, is there an away game? You know, is it a decent game? Is it one people want to watch? Can we, you know, get a crowd together? And so we came up with what we're doing today, uh, and I'm glad we did. I'm thankful, so I'm glad you guys are here, and I uh, hope to enjoy our time together. We are going to have a little halftime challenge. Uh, if you think you're good with a pigskin, we'll go out in the parking lot, and we'll just see uh, how big a boy you are, or girl, so whatever. So anyway, but uh, now let's uh, let's jump into this. We're uh, we uh, we finished up uh, Counterfeit Gods uh, series uh, on uh, uh, idols last week. Uh, next week we we go full blown Christmas on you. So just be ready for that. Uh, and uh, we kind of got a little off week here, and so uh, prayed through you know some different things that I felt like you know would be great for us to uh, to talk about. Abandoned one of them at like seven thirty last night, and went with a different one. So here we are. Uh, but uh, I, I think I think it'll be good. Uh, if you've got a Bible and you want to get it out, uh, that'd be great. We're going to the book of First Corinthians, and if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, uh, and I'm sure they'd be glad. Uh, to help you. Uh, we do have a few more seats in the very front down here. We've got like one, two, three, uh, six maybe all together if people don't mind people sitting next to them or whatever. If you can scoot in, if you're sitting on an end, you've got empty space or whatever. We've got people trying to find seats. Uh, so, but I uh, just want just to try to get everybody uh, someplace to go. Uh, by the way, I really love having people down front. I mean, like, you guys pay, like, really good money for football tickets to go, like, sit 
in the front, right? And then you get here and you're like, let's get as far away from that dude as we can, right? Don't think I don't notice, you know, whatever. No, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we've got this passage that uh, is a fairly famous passage of Scripture. It's used uh, a lot at weddings and uh, things like that. I've gotten, to do, I've gotten to do two weddings this month alone, uh, you know, both on Sundays because people are trying to kill me. And, uh, you know, because, you know, we got nothing going on on Sundays. Pastor's got nothing going on on Sundays. Uh, yeah, it's all her fault. I know Taylor Swift, right? Uh, so, uh, but, uh, no, uh, and, and, and just, you know, thinking about this passage and, you know, what this passage means. And, and the truth is, is, it is a great passage. It is a great passage to go to when you're talking about uh, being in love and weddings and all that stuff. But the truth is, is that the passage is much more than the love between a husband and a wife. This passage is talking about love that is given to us from our Creator, and we are called to, in turn, to give it to others, to everyone else. And that's, that's, the, that's you know, kind of the, the core behind this. Uh, and, you know, and, and it's talking about love in general and, uh, and how we love and all those things. And the truth is, is that we love lots of things. You know, I, you know one of the things I enjoyed over Thanksgiving is is uh, I had like three people in my basement at the same time, uh, friends and family, which I was super glad to have both in my home for Thanksgiving. Uh, people, some people that didn't have anywhere to go, and uh, you know, some that are just stuck with me and my family or whatever too. Uh, but we we got to have like we got to have like one of these conversations that I never get to have with people. We got to sit and talk about heavy metal records from the '80s. This was awesome. I'm just telling you. Like, in fact, it turned into, because I have a collection of records from the 80s, and it turned into, a, you know, we're talking about this band, and then we got to talking about that band, and then I'm like, oh, have you ever heard of this band? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, just one moment, you know. And so we're popping the vinyl on, and we're listening to it, you know, and they're like, oh, that's really good. I'm like, I know. He plays on that record, too, and that's so good, and you didn't know about it, you know and stuff like this. We love all kinds of things. And the things that we love, we are passionate about, right? We love, we love the things that we love. And the truth is, is that we are called to love in the same kind of passion that we have been loved the way God has loved us first. I want to look at this together. Let's go ahead to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, and it says this. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, but if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We'll stop there for a second. So the first part of this passage is talking about several things. Some of this, 
may seem a little crazy to you or whatever, but you've you got to take into context. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, okay? And so as he's writing to the church at Corinth, if you go back and you read the rest of the book of 1 Corinthians before this, leading up to this, what you will see is that you will see that Paul is, is actually bringing back up uh, things that were going on already that were issues within the church at Corinth. And so they, you know, had a lot of questions about uh, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy and, you know, all these kinds of things. And so he's actually going back and he's touching on things that he's already talked about. But in general, what he's saying here is that you guys are so concerned about these things and whether or not you have these spiritual gifts that he's saying, look, you can have that gift and you can be really good at that and you can know all the things in the world. What's he say right there in in verse 2? He says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Whoa. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Basically, if I know everything and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Some big statements. In fact, if you look at it, you go to the the piece before that. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then down further in verse 3, he says, if I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. He's referring to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, so he's like, he's, he's throwing it Old Testament. He's like, you know, if I'm like the greatest of the greats, you know, he's, like, he's pulling up, you know, these spiritual icons for them at that moment in time, you know, that they look back upon, you know, like a Billy Graham for us kind of type person. You know, they're like, you know, even if I'm like those guys and I'm willing to just walk into the fiery furnace for God calls me to do something crazy like that, but have not love, he says, I gain nothing. So in the first one, he says, but if I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So that means, you know, he's, he's talking about there, he's talking about the gift of tongues and of uh, men and of angels and all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, so he's like, you know, basically you're just, just rambling, just loud. We know, we know, you know, we, we, we're probably thinking of people as we read some of this. This is the problem with us is that most of the time we think about somebody else. And the truth is, is, is that it's usually, it's usually us, right? I mean, we love for people to think that we are great, even with our faith. We want people to think that we're great. We want people to think, man, they're, they're really following the Lord. They really love Jesus. They really are led by God, you know, and all those kinds of things. And at the end of the day, he's like, look, if, if you got that, but you don't have love, you're literally just making noise. Just making noise. We don't want to be those people, right? Furthermore, he goes on, you got all the powers, you have all the knowledge, you have all the faith, but have not love, I'm nothing. Ready to give up your body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. He's making a point here. We have to have love. If we don't have love, we've missed the whole boat. We we can know everything there is to know about Scripture. We can know everything there is to know about God. But if we don't have love, 
We are nothing. In fact, to the people around us, we'll be like noise. We'll be like, man, those folks just absolutely won't shut up, will they? Like, man, if I could just get them to be quiet. We don't want people to feel that way about us. You see, the difference is, is when people know that we really care about them, then they care about what we have to say. They care about what's on our heart. They care about the passions of our heart. They will be willing to sit in your basement and listen to you ramble on about records, right? Our passions drive our love. And uh, the Gospel Transformation Study Bible had some great notes on this. You go check them all out for yourself. Uh, one of them that, you know, it kind of brought up to me was that basically this is almost a little bit of a list of like spiritual look-at-me's, you know, wanting others to see that you're important, wanting others to see that you've got it together with God, right? And the reminder here is you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have love, what good is it? What good is it? It's no good. It's no good. Verse 4, let's go on. It says this. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's some big, that's some big stuff. You know, we, and we love, we love hearing about that. You know, I mean, we love, yeah, you know, I, you know, I want to love people like that. I want to be loved like that. I want, my, I want a spouse to love me like that or a girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever, you know to be patient with me and to not boast, not be arrogant, not be rude and all those things. You know, we, we, we like that. But the truth is, is, is what's most important here is that we're called. We're called to digest this. We're called to ask ourselves, am I? Who am I in that? Where do I fall in that? How do I handle relationships with other people? Here, here's the truth. Life is full of people that sometimes are hard to love. But the truth is, is that we're called to love them. We're called to love them. We're called to love people that are not like us. We're called to love people uh, that don't believe the way we do. We're called to love people that don't look like us. We're called to just love, period. I mean, that's where this is going. To bear all things, believe all things, hope in all things, endure in all things. Verse 8, it goes on, it says, love never ends. Now, Paul right here goes into this section that I think is really important for us to understand and, and I, think, I think is a good word for us today, especially coming off the last couple of years that we've had going on in the world, okay? But love never ends. Let's keep reading there. It says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, I love this line, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
the partial will pass. The partial what? The partial knowledge. The partial prophecy. All these things that he's sitting here talking about, that he's saying that, you know, we can get so concerned with, like, what's going to happen? You know, I had somebody here a couple days ago go, well, you know there's another one coming. I said, what? <laughs> they were like, oh, another, another virus, another, another thing, another strand, you know, it's coming. I'm like, okay, I'm ready, you know? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You going to go back to worrying? We're going to do that again? Is that what we're called to do? Man, come on. It says, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. All the knowledge that we think that we have now, and that we think we can guess what's coming and all these things, the truth is this, we can't, we don't know, and we can't guess, and we won't know every single thing that's going to happen, but the truth is, is that God does. And when His perfect knowledge comes to us, when Christ comes to us, it'll all pass away. And what's the point that what's the point that Paul is making? The beginning of verse 8. Love never ends. Love never ends. Prophecies they will pass away. Tongues they will cease. Knowledge it will pass away. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, verse 11, it says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part. Then I shall know fully. A couple things going on right here. First of all, as a parent of the seven most perfect children on the planet, um, you know, <coughs> my kids are so great at listening all the time to everything that I say. Uh, sometimes not. Uh, and the truth is, is that as a parent, when I tell them something that they don't understand about themselves that I don't want them to do, generally speaking, it's not because it's annoying, although there are those moments. Uh, it's usually because I don't want them to get hurt. I don't want them to start a habit that could be bad for them in some way. You know, those types of things. Uh, you know, and, and so as a child, they have to make this decision, am I going to follow the instruction that my parent has given me? We, too, have been given instruction that we are constantly deciding whether or not we are going to follow based upon what? What we believe. What we think is true. If we believe Scripture to be true, then we believe that we can follow the Lord through all things and know He's got this. That He's sovereign over all. This whole deal, when I was a child, verse 11, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Is Paul saying at some point in our faith, we have to trust the Lord fully. Where are you in your walk with the Lord right now? Are you willing to trust Him fully right now for whatever He throws at you? What if He throws a curveball at you today? What if He throws a curveball at you today that tells you to uproot, move, do something crazy, follow Him in some crazy way? Would you do it? 
Would you do it? Verse 12, it goes on, it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly. This, this is a little bit of reference, and I've read this like several different commentators on this. Uh, this is a reference to mirrors at that point in time when Paul would have written this would have literally just been like polished metal. You know, they wouldn't have had like mirrors like we just have everywhere. Uh, they didn't have those at all. Uh, so it was like polished metal. And, uh, you know, I'm around polishing metal a lot these days. And, you know, the, the thing about just polishing metal, especially when you, they didn't know how to plate something or something like that back in those days, uh, you know, they were literally, uh, you know, just trying to make it shiny and then see themselves in it. So this idea that, uh, that a mirror dimly, you know, is, is this great, it's a great illustration for them in that moment because they, they totally understood like some people had better mirrors than others, basically. And it says, says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. So you don't really see like they didn't see like we see in a mirror. And then it says, but then face to face, face to face, who's face to face? Us and Jesus. Again, this is going back and talking about when the perfect comes, when the perfect knowledge, when the Son of God comes, and when He comes, we have this whole like understanding that we get to see Jesus, be with Jesus. He says, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. So it's going back to some of this knowledge piece and some of this understanding still of just this whole uh, idea that you know, we don't know everything right now. And even if we did without love, it's no good. But that when Jesus comes, we will know. And when we see Him, we will know fully. And it says, then it goes on, it says, even as I have been fully known. <laughs> we don't think about that a lot. We don't think a lot about the fact we're always so concerned with like what we might know and how much we might know about God that we kind of forget about the fact that God fully knows us. Like He knows everything about us. Heard somebody recently make a statement about how God doesn't care about the little things that He's, you know, He's really busy and He's got a lot of things going on. And I was like, that's, that's not the God in my Bible. The God in my Bible knows every hair on your head. He knows every problem that you're dealing with. He knows every single thing that we're struggling with. And He loves us and He cares for us and He wants to comfort us. Paul here is just trying to give this warning and a, and a, and a, and a helpful understanding and encouragement at the same time of, hey, knowledge, prophecies, tongues, all these things will go away. But everything else, when Jesus comes, will come into focus. And then verse 13. And in verse 13 we have this, and it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. And I've got to be honest with you. I've got to be honest with you. There's something about that verse that over time, as I have looked at that verse, verse 13, that I have always kind of felt like sorry for hope and faith. You know? 
Kind of like it's like three kids or something, you know? And these other two, they got left out. And it's like, well, we have to pick favorites? Like, what's the, you know, what's the deal? But then, but then, but then, as I've been studying this, and God's just kind of revealed just a little bit to me, even just this week, just even in the evening, you know, just thinking about this and praying over this, it's like, oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of the point of the whole passage. It's understanding that even our faith and our hope will pass away because when we come face to face with Christ and He returns to us, we don't need it anymore. He's right there. And so then, left only is our response of love. Left only is our response of love. And so it says, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. The greatest. I mean, that's, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. And when I think about the statement, the greatest, I think about all kinds of things. I think about Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Right? The greatest. There's no arguing those, right? Right. It's funny how we attach a word like that and you put it with something like that and then you think about it coming from God's Word, from His Scriptures. And Paul is really, really just trying to love this church. He's really trying to love the church at, at Corinth. And the truth is that the Lord, I really believe, is trying to love on us today and saying, how important is love is this? I got, uh, I don't know, did we get the list? Do we have that up there? I don't know if we got that or not. No list, okay, no problem. If you go back through the list of the things that we see, uh, you know, we, we, we see that people need hope. We understand that people need hope. We understand that they need something worth putting their faith in. But in order for them to get there, they need love. And they need love from us. And that love from us comes from Jesus. It's not just like, hey, let's do our best. Let's try to muster up, you know, our own love kind of thing. No, no, no. This is God's love that we've been given to give out. It's this, it's this beautiful picture. And so to kind of go back over the list, so to speak, love is patient, kind, Rejoicing in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and never ends. Never ends. Love is not envious, boastful, arrogant, rude, getting your way, irritable, resentful, and rejoicing at wrong. I think... There's so many people right now because of how hard the last couple years have been that have gotten into a woe-is-me mindset, a Debbie Downer, if you will. I'm so sorry, Debbie. Let's forget Debbie. Here's one for you. You remember this one from Saturday Night Live? It's Pat. You remember, you remember Pat? Okay, 
you know, and like they, you know, her friend, she'd be hanging out, well, she, he, we don't, we never knew what Pat was, that was, that was the whole thing, I remember, <laughs> I can actually remember watching the episode at your house, uh, where like, it was like the climax of like the season, and Pat's about to go to the restroom, and she like goes, and there's the men's, and there's the women's, and, and then it like cuts to a commercial, you know, and, and you're know, like, really, like, gonna do this like that? You know, but the, the funny thing about Pat was this, other than the fact you didn't know if it was a man or woman or whatever, which I don't know if they could do that today or not, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing about her was, like, she'd be hanging out with all of her friends, and they'd be having a good time. They'd be like, Pat, let's go, let's go do this. Let's go bowling, you know? And Pat would be like, uh, that will hurt my back, you know? And it, it was always, like, some, like, negative slant to like everything going on and I'll be honest I see people like living their life in that and we got to stop we got to stop we've been given the joy of the Lord we weren't called to be Christians to like hate our lives we're called to have like the joy that comes from him and us be light into this world. We still have a mission. We still have a mission. And it's not to throw a pity party. What's coming next? I don't know. What is coming next? Oh, there's another thing coming. You know what? There's always another thing coming. Right? Like at what point do we trust in the Lord? You know, I'm not saying that we don't educate ourselves and understand what's going on. I'm not saying we'd be stupid. I'm just saying like we as people and as believers should have a mentality that looks like that of Jesus. And we've been painted that picture with what Paul has given us and what love looks like. We just sang a few minutes ago, he's never going to let me down. He's never going to let me down. And we don't quit cheering for our team. When they keep losing, right? Look at all the Titans fans here. Right? We don't, we don't quit. So, how about this? How about we not give up on the mission that God gave us? How about we not give up on the mission that God called us to? Us, as a church, like as a people. That we might reach people who don't know Christ. Because we love them. Because God uses us, not because we love real well, but because He loves real well, and He gives us His love, which actually has power with it, and He uses that in their lives, and He changes their lives. It's not about us. We're vessels. You don't have to be attractive. You don't have to just be, you don't have to, whatever, you don't have to be popular. It doesn't matter. God will use whoever is willing. Has it been a hard year? Sure, it's been a hard year. Life is hard, but you know what? God is love. Life is hard, but God is love. And His love conquers all. How, how do I know that? How do I know that God's, love's conquer, God's love conquers all? Let's look at a little scripture together. Romans 8, verse 31, says this. It says, When they shall 
When then shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Everybody loves that. Oh, well, you know, God's on my side. Nobody's coming against me, right? Okay, chill out. It's not about us. Verse 32 is great. All right, don't hang your hat on that alone. Take the whole thing. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who, inter- who indeed is interceding for us? Jesus. Jesus. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake you are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep uh, to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, uh, nor jobs, nor any virus, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how we've been loved. And that love conquers all. It trumps everything. There's nothing greater than it. And we receive this love. And receiving that love drives our love for our Lord. And it drives our love for others. If we let it. One of the, my favorite parts of uh, getting to be a pastor, especially of a church, and, and I say this with just, uh, just um, I don't even know the words to say with it, but to get to be the pastor of a church, at a church, and a part of a church, of people that genuinely love people, and are willing to sacrifice and do things, one of my favorite things to get to do is to be a part of the process of blessing other people in times of need. And I, I was thinking about a couple of Thanksgivings back when uh, the fire department was given pans of Cracker Barrel on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. They didn't know it was coming. They all, Listen, if you've ever been around firefighters, let me tell you something. They eat, okay? And I say that lovingly, but they eat. They know how to eat and they know how to cook food, and they don't need you to cook food for them. In fact, they probably won't like it, okay? But someone graciously gave them pans that they did not know was coming, pans of food on Thanksgiving. Well, as you could guess, they had a plan already, okay? They weren't like waiting for somebody to show up with some pans that they didn't know were coming, right? And so I get this phone call at like lunchtime from, you know, one of, one of the, the head dudes at our fire department, and he's like, hey, man, uh, I know it's like I'm literally like set down to eat, like just had sat down to eat. And I was like, what's he doing calling me? I was like, oh, this probably isn't good. Usually it's not good when they call. It's like somebody's in need, you know, kind of thing. And so um, 
I, I answered the phone. I said, what's up? He's like, hey, we got this food. We weren't planning on this food. Chris, we have tons of it. He said, literally, I could fill the back of a pickup truck with it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know what to do with it. He's like, what do I do with it? And I was like, bro, I don't know. I'm about to eat turkey. Um, let me think about it for a minute, okay? I was like, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to eat some turkey. I'm going to call you back. He's like, okay, cool. So I hang up. I'm eating. And I'm like, what, you know, what, 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 what am I supposed to, you know, like I'm supposed to be like, you know, figure out, you know, who to just give random food to all the time. That's Gina's job. Um, and I praise God for her. Um, so, in, in, but in the moment, I, sitting there eating or whatever, I just thought, you know, there's a neighborhood that we feel called to, to minister to, and, and I bet there's people there that need food. And I'm like, how in, how in the world do we find out if they need food or not? And I was like, we do have a bunch of kids here. I could put them to work today. I believe I will. So I call him back, said, I got an idea. Bring the food to my house. We're going to roll from there. So he did. And we went to this neighborhood. And I would send, uh, he and I would go to the doors first because you just never know. Uh, he and I would go to the doors, and here's, you know, fire, fireman guy, and the guy that's supposed to be a pastor. People are like, uh, yeah, okay, sure you are. Um, I get that a lot. It's kind of fun, especially when the, when the wedding people don't believe that you're really the pastor there, and they're like, okay, no, no, really, where is he? And they're like, no, that's really him, you know. It's like, I'm right here. I can hear you. And uh, we end up going door to door. It's just the craziest thing. I mean, just the craziest thing. Thanksgiving afternoon, we're out here. We're just going door to door, just knocking on people's doors, going, hey, you need some food? And, of course, they're, like, opening the door, and they see badges and stuff, and they're, like, there's people, like, you can hear people, like, throwing stuff in drawers and stuff, you know, in the back of the house. It's like, hey, no, no, he's with the fire department. I'm a pastor. I know you don't believe it. Do you need any food? And we did this door to door, and I just got to tell you, one of, the, one of the greatest days of my life just get to be blessed, to bless other people with just giving them food. And we gave pans of food to people that we walked into some of their kitchens, we opened some of their refrigerators, and there was nothing in some of those refrigerators. Not even like the three-year-old condiments that we all have in ours. And I'm just reminded just reminded of this, that the Lord Most High has shared with us His powerful love that we in turn are called to give it away and let Him work. It's not about what we know or what we think we can do with it. It's about what He can do with it and what He will do and giving us opportunities to be in their lives, giving us opportunities to show them somebody cares for you, somebody loves you. Let me tell you what, I guarantee you, right now, there's probably not a person in this room that could probably say that there's been a time in your life where you really question whether anybody really loved you. And there's people out there who are wondering it every single day. We're called to love like Christ has loved us with the most powerful love in the world that's not even ours. The food wasn't mine. I just got to give it away. Get to be a part of the process. That's what we get to do when we 
share God's love with others. The truth is, is if you're here today and you've never experienced the love of Christ, you've never believed in Him and trusted in Him to be your Savior, I beg of you today, listen to the Lord speaking to your heart. I want you to know that God loves you. And despite anything that's ever happened in your past, His love conquers all things, even those things. He created you. He loves you. He has a purpose for you. Trust in Him. Believe in Him today. In fact, let's do this. Let's bow our heads. And I want to give you just a chance right now that if you've never trusted in Jesus to be your Savior and you feel like God's leading you to do that today, I want you just to, just to, your, to, to Him, silently, whatever, just cry out to Him right now and say, God, I need you. I need you to be my Savior today. I trust in you. I trust in what you've done in sending your son Jesus to die in my place. God, to forgive me of my sin. God, I pray right now for anyone that has never trusted in you to be their Savior. And God, I pray that you would do that work in their life and in their heart today. God, I pray that you would help all of us with our unbelief. God, I pray that in all things that we would trust in you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to experience your love in small ways, in big ways. God, in, in, in all the ways that we need in order to be reminded, Lord, that your love conquers all things. All the things that are coming. All the things that we don't know. It doesn't matter because your love will conquer them all. You will conquer them all. God, you've called us to something. You've called us to be light. I pray that we would. I pray that we wouldn't be a church who lays down because it's been a hard year. God, I pray that you would use us in the lives of others. God, you're placing those people on our hearts right now. God, I pray that we would pray for them. I pray that you would give us opportunities to be Jesus to them, to love them, to feed them, to give them money, whatever it is that they need. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be so stingy with what you've given us to manage. God, that we wouldn't share it. But most of all, that powerful, perfect love that conquers all. God, I pray, Lord, that they would experience that because they are friends with us, because they are family with us, because they work with us. God, help us just to be faithful in the little ways, in the little things. God, may we care for others as you've cared for us. God, use us for your glory, for your name, for your kingdom. God, we ask all this today in your son's name.